Hello, I'm Dr. Ruth Schmidt-Nevin, clinical psychologist and child and adolescent psychotherapist. Welcome to Talking Child Development, the podcast of the Association of Child and Family Development in Melbourne, Australia. The association is a not-for-profit organization that aims to disseminate information about all aspects of child and family development to other professionals and the wider community. In these podcasts, we will be going a little deeper into the whys and wherefores of child, adolescent and family life. We want to get away from a focus that's purely behavioural and quick fix based to delve more deeply into issues and ask questions about why things happen in families the way they do. You can find more information on our website at www.acfd.com.au. You will also be able to access the references mentioned here. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Mary Louise Hatch, the founder and principal of Spectrum Law and Mediations. She is a collaboratively trained family lawyer, nationally accredited mediator, and family dispute resolution practitioner and parenting coordinator. Mary Louise works with families going through separation and divorce to help with parenting and financial decisions without going to court. She is a legal practitioner and has worked in family law and lectures in family law and is a fellow of the Resolution Institute. Welcome, Mary Louise. What is striking and may I say different about your mediation work is that you appear to refuse to act for parties or parents who want to litigate, that is to go through the court process. In some of our podcasts, we have addressed the huge costs of the court process, both financially and emotionally. So it's interesting to know about your approach. Can you say how you came to this decision? Hello, Ruth, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, Ruth, I suppose it's been um, in a way a long time coming, but it was a decision I think I made very early on in the way that I like to work um, with um, my clients and 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 families. Um, when I first started practicing as a young lawyer, youngish, over um, thirty years ago, I was very quickly struck by the fact that um, the the lawyers that I would was dealing with were often quite aggressive um, and were often very much very enmeshed almost with their their clients. Um, and that um, they were often encouraging their clients to to litigate um, to and to take um, very um, strong unilateral action very quickly um, and to to blow things up if you like and and I've sort of uh, on two fronts I found this you know disturbing I thought well how's this helping these fa- these families who are already in a lot of pain. Um, how's that helping them to try and heal, um, to try and work through this um, bottleneck that they find themselves in um, and to come and come through it um, perhaps even better, um, and, but in, with a, a new um, look, a new dynamic, how are we helping with all of that if all we're doing is helping them fight even more? and increasing the conflict, which is so damaging for children. The other part of it was that I thought, how is this good for me <laughs> as, 
as a practitioner, how is this good for my mental health? How is this good for anybody? Um, and it was quite, a, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I first started. And from then on, I, it always made me feel uncomfortable, but I think I'm a bit, maybe I'm a bit slow on the uptake. It took me a few years of working in the sector um, until I finally decided to bite the bullet and train as a mediator. Um, and that for me was um, life-changing actually, and I don't say that lightly. It made a big difference to the way that um, I realised that I was able to help people and it made a big difference to the way I think that I was able to interact generally in life with people. It, I, I, I hope it helped me to learn to listen. <laughs> um, and that's a really important thing. And um, for lawyers especially, we're not often good at listening. So, <laughs> so that I think that's probably what, where, how I've got to where I am now. Yes. I think really what you're saying is it's very much about the opposite of an adversarial approach. Absolutely. You know, which is, which is, and I think it's very interesting that you mention your own mental health because at the end of the day, it's adversarial for you too, or it's adversarial for the practitioner. It's not health inducing for anybody. It's a, a very tense, very unpleasant experience all round. That's right. There often are no winners. There are no winners in that kind. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. a serial approach only mm -hmm. users mm -hmm. so um but i see that you mention in your work that you work as a parenting coordinator which sometimes involves court orders does that mean that the parents have a court order it, to have some kind of parenting therapy or counseling mm. it what it is um and it's, it is different to, it's not therapy or counselling. Um, parenting coordination has been in Australia now for oh, um, maybe five or so years, but it has been in the United States and Canada and South Africa for a, a few decades. Um, and it has been quite successful. So it's been adopted now in Australia and um, uh uh, practitioners can do additional training and usually you you can come from a legal background or a social science background but you really do need to have um, mediation training and experience to do it um, and um, the um, basically the parenting coordinator is a person or a practitioner who is um, often appointed by the court so there'll be families who have um, usually been through the court a number of times. Um, they may have final orders. They might have interim orders. Um, they're usually um, seen as, and I put in inverted commas, you know, high conflict um, personalities, um, and they struggle to reach agreement on most things. Um, and the courts um, are often very concerned about the future of these families um, all these parents and their children. Um, and so they will um, make an order um, in the when they're making their orders that um, a parenting coordinator such as myself, and they might name me directly um, or, or not, um, but that a parenting coordinator be appointed. Um, and so the role of the parenting coordinator is to work with the parents to help them to interpret 
um, and implement the orders that they have and also to help them and really importantly to try and help them to develop some sort of workable post-separation parenting relationship. And does that involve children? Do you see children as well? I myself don't see children because I don't feel that I'm qualified to see children and the same goes for when I'm doing mediations. Mm -hmm. Um, But often it becomes very clear very quickly that I need to hear the child's voice. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I will usually then involve um, a, a child psychologist Um, and that child psychologist will spend time with the child or children, um, with the parents, um, a bit like doing a family report Mm -hmm. um, if you were in the court process, and then would report back to um, myself and the parents um, about, you know, about the child and what it is to Mm -hmm. be that child in their world Yes, they know it. Yes, yes. Um, and that can be absolutely invaluable. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you, otherwise, you're doing it in isolation. Yes, um, but yes, it, it's it's often working with you know with families, um, you know, that are really really struggling to to make things work, and mm-hmm. you know, often there are they're they're blaming each other <laughs> for yeah. for the fact that things aren't working. Yeah. So, um, Mm. It's wonderful work, but it's very, um, it's challenging work, Ruth. It really is. Yes, it's, it certainly is. <laughs> I've done some of that myself. Yes. I'm going to attest to that. So I, I understand that a very large number of people are able to make their own arrangements regarding um, um, around divorce with respect to finances and children. I think it's something like 97% of people. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, um, they can also benefit from the services you offer. You talk about a, a collaborative approach and steering people towards a peaceful resolution of their issues. So in what would be the circumstances in which people having sort of worked out most of what they need to with respect to finances and children, what would they seek from you or where would you see your role in that? situation mm, and collaborative practice when I'm when I'm working as a lawyer um, I only work collaboratively um, or in a way which is similar to it so I don't do as you identified correctly before I don't work in an adversarial manner mm. um, and if people want to use the courts to help them resolve their disputes I will happily refer them to other practitioners who will be able to help them in that regard. Uh, but interestingly, um, and you you know, thinking about the the people that come for help um, in resolving their parenting issues or resolving their financial settlements, it's amazing how open people genuinely are, generally are, sorry, to uh, to different ways of um, resolving the issues that they have. And people um, will often, you know, um, sort of say, oh, you know, um, on separation, their friends will say, oh, you know, have you have you, have you you got a good lawyer and, you know, and, you know, and, and have you done this and have you done that and change the locks and, um, you know, uh, like I said before, blow things up. And often when you, um, if you're lucky enough to, to speak to people before things have gone, you know, become too difficult, 
um, then you can open their eyes up to different ways of resolving things and and enabling them to see that um, you know they don't have to go to court that they're able to uh, you know uh, problem solve together so rather than people um, you know adopting an adversarial approach and having you know one person pitted against another and pointing at each other and blaming each other they can they're able to see that you know really at the end of the day there are two people you know um, half the population separate uh, and they really just need to be able to work these things out and people often go oh so you you can do it like that. don't I have to go to court oh I can do it like this and um, you know people are really quite open to it uh, and will you know follow your lead if you provide it for them as a practitioner so does that mean that they might come and see you? You see, if they have to deal with finances and things like that, mm. would they still come and see you first? Yes. So that they can actually mediate their way through working out the finances rather than each of them needing a separate lawyer? Well, there are different ways that I work. So um, I'm either, if I'm acting, uh, sometimes people will, will contact me and say, we're separating, we need to work out our finances and we need to work out parenting, but I don't quite know how to go about it. And mm -hmm. but I've been given your name, you know, yes. um, and I'll say, listen, come and have a chat with me and I'll talk about the different ways that I work. And during the conversation, it might become apparent to, to you or me or, you know, both of us that this probably would suit you. So I can either act as their lawyer, and if I act as the lawyer, then I own, as I said, I only act collaboratively. I'm not going to. So would that be with both the people? So I would only act no for one party. A one party, lawyer, and I would help um, perhaps the other spouse um, find another collaboratively trained family lawyer, and then we would negotiate together. And it might be a couple of meetings that we have with the the parents. Uh, and the lawyers together. Mm -hmm. We might involve um, a, a a psychologist in that to assist to support the family. We might involve a um, financial neutral person um, to help with all the financial matters mm -hmm. to help them, you know, work out. Often there are very complex financial structures that people have, so it can be often a team approach you know, that that um, is adopted and that really is the hallmark of collaborative practice, that you have this, create this team around this family and then help them problem solve together around their financial settlement and their parenting. So that's one option. So I'm the lawyer in that first option. Yes. In the, in the uh, um, alternative is that I would be the mediator and then I would work with both the parents mm -hmm. as a neutral uh, person facilitating discussion between both of them uh, to help them resolve their parenting issues mm -hmm. um, or their financial settlements or both, yes. whatever it is they wanted to achieve. Now, mind you, even in a mediation, I still might bring in other practitioners as well, yes. like a child psychologist to hear the child's voice yes. or another psychologist, um, you know, perhaps if there's some need for that. Um, I might bring in a, a financial person into that discussion to help the parties if there are things that, you know, particularly require that. So it's, it, yeah, they're, they're quite different roles that I'm playing, yeah, but yes. sort of helping people achieve similar things. 
Yes. And at the end of the day, whatever the process, um, they will come out of it with, you know, the same thing as if they had, you know, um, you know, sort of um, gone ahead, you know, through litigation and spent a lot, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tens of or hundreds of thousands of dollars litigating. Um, they'll still come out with agreements. They'll come out with documents that are properly drafted, mm-hmm. you know, signed off. So you know, it, if you think about it, it's it makes so much sense um, yeah. in terms of everybody's well-being and in terms of um, the cost. Yes. And, you know, and, you know, avoiding the, the damage that could be yes. done otherwise. And what happens if you have one part partner who wants to see you in, in a non-litigating uh, sort of kind of context, but another partner, but their partner who insists on getting mm-hmm. the adversarial litigating lawyer? What what, mm-hmm. what happens then? And that, that can happen. And, you know, if, if I had... Um, talked to the first party, um, whenever I have that initial conversation with the first party, I wouldn't give any advice. It would be more mm-hmm. around process and just finding out, you know, how mm-hmm. things are going for them. Um, and, you know, if the other party doesn't want to try and resolve things, say, through a collaborative process, then, um, you know, uh, it would might be a matter of me saying, well, I can refer you to, you know, to or give you names of other practitioners you know, if it go, is going to head off to court and you can't avoid it, then these yes. are other practitioners who would be able to help you. Yes. In yes. other instances, it might be, you know, if the client has said, well, I think having you as the mediator would work, then even if they are going to have their own lawyers who are acting in an adversarial way, um, I'm still able to help them. Um, and, you know, often I'm able to provide um, information and um, to to lawyers around the mediation process. A lot yeah. of lawyers are very au fait with the process. A lot of them are, are qualified as mediators yeah. as well and understand the process and understand how it's a really a, a problem-solving, um, uh, you know, positive exercise. And yes. for those lawyers that that don't, um, you know, I even welcome working with them um, and yeah. having the opportunity to talk about it. Yes. So it's, it sounds like, a, interestingly, a process where it opens up communication with a wide range of other professionals as well, yes. rather than keeping it fairly close into a sort of little closed system, it 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 sort of welcomes the input of an of a variety of professionals, mm. Mm. which hopefully the um, parties concerned would welcome, rather than seeing that as another way of of using the professionals as to sort of um, take up cudgels on their behalf. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it it is. So it's, I suppose, yes, that becomes a, a there's a common sort of um, culture. Yes, existing amongst the professionals yes. all working together to yes. support this family. So it's a very positive thing, and it front loads everything because if you think if these pe- people went to court and litigated, they would ultimately be bumping into these professionals and being ordered to attend upon them by the court along the way you know, such as a a psychologist, you know, or, um, you know, but it brings all of that forward and says, you know, take advantage of these professionals' advice and wisdom early on and with, you know, but avoid the the, um, adversarialism, avoid the fight, but just work with these professionals to help, you know, to take advantage of it and, and work out what it is you need to resolve.
Yes, absolutely. Yes, that mm. very, sounds very, very helpful. And I, I see very importantly that you view your role not only to arrive at decisions regarding parenting and financial arrangements, but also what you describe as an educative function. And you describe the need, for example, for a couple to recognise grief and loss, which is so often overlooked in the process of separation and divorce. I mean, it so often goes to the heart of people sort of hating each other mm. and being angry with each other because there's yeah. so much sense, it's such an enormous sense of grief and loss. Yeah, and it's such a, an important thing to understand. One of the first questions I would um, usually ask people is is around, you know, other than asking how are they um, uh, and finding out a little bit about, you know, perhaps the, the relevant dates, um, you know, around marriage and 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 separation and things like that is is who initiated the separation and what what happened at the separation and what's what's that about and that tells us practitioners as you know Ruth a lot about you know where they're at um, and often it's helpful for them to um, gain some insight into where they're at um, and you know if I'm working with um, if I'm seeing somebody who says, well, I initiated it, um, generally as you're speaking to them more, you know, you'll, you know, you'll sort of identify or help them identify the fact that this is something they've probably been thinking about for a number of years um, and then it's come to this point. So in, in that time they've been thinking about it, they've been grieving and going through, yes. you know, a, a, a grieving process Um and the other party might not be very aware, if at all, of the fact that this is happening. So when separation occurs, you end up with two people at very different points in the in 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 the grief process, if you like. And one person has, you know, is ready to move on often. Um, and often they've taken steps to move on. Maybe they've met somebody else already. Um, or they've already started, you know, sort of um, taking action to progress things as they would like to see, you know, progressed. Um, and the other party's left often blindsided. Um, and, you know, then when you identify that with the parties and you, and you sort of, they sort of talk about, you know, how people have been behaving, um, when they realise that, you know, this is what's happening, they can sort of go, oh, right, now I can understand why the other party is all of a sudden just has just exploded, is flying off the handle, mm -hmm. is threatening things, is doing all this, you know, doing all these things. Um, and it also helps me to um, be able to um, help the parties in terms of the timing of the process. Sometimes people come to see um, professionals like me when it's so fresh and new. Um, and, you know, you're in often in this sort of period of like suspension, almost like what I call a honeymoon period, where you, you're sort of thinking, oh, gee, you know, I can see, you know, where they're at now and I'm wondering how that's going to be in a couple of weeks or months' time. Um, are they ready for um, mediation or are they ready to have their first collaborative meeting? You know, is this right for them at this point in time? You know, what things need to happen um, to um, perhaps keep maintain a status quo for a period of time until they are ready? So there's so many 
um, important considerations, I think, in that whole discussion around, um, you know, where people are at. Um, yes, yes, yes. I think that's enormously important. Mm. I was just wondering in the, in that respect that there there was uh, some uh, statistic that mostly women initiate divorce proceedings. Mm. Is, is that true? That that is. Do you know? I still I really don't know, and I'd be you know I'd welcome anyone's insight into this. I've heard that so many times as well, um, and they they say it is, but. I don't know if my practice bears that out, really. Mm. I think it's often the it may be gendered in terms of the reasons for separation, um, but I don't know if it is in terms of the the diff, the proportions. The you know yes. who's more likely to 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 call it. Yes, that's interesting. Mm. Um, um, and you also describe in the educative component of your work um, a focus on on relationship cycles. Um, what mm. do you mean by that? Um, it's something I often talk with with parents about, um, and often when I the um, when I'm especially another thing that I another role that I do have or another thing that I do um, often is um, that I have for a number of years now is um, conduct parenting after separation courses mm -hmm. I've done that for, for well for many years now um and that's when I have really do talk about this but often with um parenting coordination with those clients I will talk about it with them or or mediation or even a, a, a law client but it's it's really sort of again having them see where they're where they're at where they've been and where they're at now and where they could go to. So often it's a thing of saying to, to um, people, you know, you, um, you know, think about when you first got together, think about what happened then, think about what your relationship was. Um, and often they will sort of come up with something like more, you know, that they were sort of an acquaintance, even for a brief period of time. And, um, and it's more focusing on at that point sort of the, you know, uh, how much would you tell that person at that point in time? You wouldn't tell them absolutely everything about yourself. You've just met them mm -hmm. at a bar. You know, you're not, you're not, you know, giving away absolutely everything. You know, you're a bit, your boundaries are up and your trust is just, you know, you're just monitoring all of that and you're careful. And as you move around the relationship cycle, um, then it becomes more intimate, whether it's, and sometimes I laugh and sort of say, well, that might happen in the course of a night or it might, you know, happen, in, you know, over, over months. But, you know, intimacy um, grows and you share more and you share more um, until it's very much, you know, your lives are very enmeshed and there are children and and so on. And, and um, you know, you're in that state of positive intimacy, you know, um, and often that can go on, you know, for, you know, however long it does until some event happens and it's the end of the relationship. Um, and that can be a very brutal event or it might be a slow, you know, sort of death by a thousand cuts or, a, you know, very slow burn. Um, but whatever it is, depending on, you know, how they are in the, going with their grief and and um, and their whole family of origin issues as well, of course, and how they manage 
to navigate it, but often they come out the other side of it um, in what I call or what, you know, in that state of, of negative intimacy. So they're still totally focused on each other, still totally enmeshed, mm. still, you know, it's as passionate now as, as it was before the separation, but it's become quite negative or very negative mm. and quite sometimes quite destructive. And then it's a, que a question of what do we do with this? Where do we go mm -hmm. with this? And there'll often be one party, the party usually that instigated the separation will be the one that sort of says, well, I can't see what the problem is. I can't see why the other party isn't sort of um, able to move on. Mm -hmm. what, what's going on? We're separated now. Mm -hmm. We should be friends. I don't know how often I hear that word. You mm -hmm. know, we should be friends. We should be able to talk to each other on the phone. I don't know why they won't talk to me and so on and so forth. And when you explore that with them and sort of say, well, is that is friends really appropriate? Where do we go with this? Maybe we need to think about heading back up to what we, you had at the start in that when you were acquaintances. So to think about adopting a business-like relationship yes, with each other yes, and yes. think that really we're running a business now um, and the profit we derive is to grow healthy, happy children, um, to have, you know, our own mental health, you know, sort of looked after and so on. So looking at what it is to run that business um, and to communicate in a way, in a business-like way, um, but in a, in a caring business-like way. Mm -hmm. yes, <laughs> um, yes. But, yeah, so to explore all of that, so where's our relationship been and sort of going around that that cycle, if you, wake, if you will, can be a very helpful exercise with, with people. Yes, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. I think you've mentioned earlier that you don't include children in your mediation, that you tend to refer them elsewhere, mm. that that's right. So... I'm, I'm just wondering, just going back to the high-conflict families, just thinking a bit about the ones who are referred for parenting mm. and support, are there different ways of addressing those problems? Um, yeah, well, I suppose the thing is it's often, I suppose, the, the people that you're working with um, in that work um it's often whether or not they have the capacity to be able to hear mm -hmm. things that you might be um, talking with other parents about. Um, and often it really, I have to be very careful and be, and be stepping back uh, and sort of thinking, how do I um, allow these people, often they, you know, um, it might be emotionally dysregulated. Um, there, you know, maybe all sorts of, issues going on for them, personality issues and so on. Um, so, you know, it's important for me, I suppose, to be creating a foundation for them first, thinking what additional supports and assistance are these people needing to, to help them to be able to work with the other parent, um, what has been working, what hasn't been working. And for me then personally, I I find that I've got to be, um, try and be my best self as a practitioner um, and really be careful. So um, a lot of um, listening, very just careful, patient listening, 
staying very calm. So these are often people, you know, who are, you know, maybe very easily triggered by things. So, you know, I've got to be careful around using sort of a trauma-informed approach um, mm. and be, you know, very respectful of, of you know, where people, you know, or, or the experiences people may have had, you know, going right back into their, their childhood and so on. Um, so, you know, I've got to, I suppose, practice what I preach um, and, you know, have, you know, using my, my best listening skills, um, emulating, I suppose, what it is I would like these parents to try and do. Um, um, with a lot of, the, there's often a lot of hostility in it. How do I respond to that? Um, so, um, you know, I don't know whether you've heard of, of Bill Eddy, Ruth, you know, who's a, um, a, a um, he's a, a lawyer in the United States. He's also has a, a social science background as well. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the concept of biff. Of, <laughs> you know, be, yeah, I love it. But being um, brief, informative, friendly and firm. Um, and and I often say talk to parents about that or, or at least, uh, again, for myself, try and practice it, um, you know, so with a lot of in, intense, you know, dramatic sort of stuff coming at me, you know, to be able to stay very calm and to be able to address in a, in a matter-of-fact way the things that people are, you know, that, you know, that are saying or that they're not happy about. Um, so it's, yeah, the work is a lot more challenging and professionally I have to, you yes. know, really sort of work hard with these yes, people. Yes. Um, I think what happens in these situations also is that people project into the therapist or the coordinator or whoever, they project into us. Yes. <laughs> you know, into the professional, um, some of the their intensely felt experience. That's right. And very much then want us to take sides, whether it's... Mm. Uh, woman who, who she, the woman may want us to identify with her as the woman who is intimidated by the man. Mm -hmm. so you go through all these sorts of very typical positions mm. and we can get drawn in and really mangled in all of that and actually mm. spat out at the end. That's right. And it's extremely, and I think this idea of Biff is quite, it's interesting. There's a lot of biffing going on. There, it and, is. And there is a lot of biffing. To preserve our own mental health. Mm. And you know, I remember with with one couple who regularly uh, would scream and yell at each other. Um, you know, after two minutes, you know that well, that was their position, mm. and we worked out a plan which they agreed to, which was when they got to that sort of pitch where there was there were no words anymore. It was all just screaming and yelling. I would tell them we had to stop and mm -hmm. we would then leave the building, walk around the block momentarily and come back again, mm. and then we would resume. Mm. But, you know, so it was as much I needed needed it as much as I thought they did because I couldn't think. Yes. Yeah. What I think happens in that situation is the process of thinking yeah. is completely mangled mm. and somehow we have to be able to maintain the capacity for thinking. That's right, but you're and and by doing that, you're also showing them uh, an important skill at, at self-soothing, and you know, you know, this is a way to try and regulate yes. yourself again. So, you know, the the benefits are enormous for yes. them going forward. Yes, I mean, not everybody would agree with that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, 
I would, I, you know, yeah. whatever it would be that was a, a peaceful way to try and help yes. them, yes. To, you know, to self-regulate. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it, it is hard work um, that, you know, the work that you're describing um, or the parenting coordination work, it, it is it is really challenging work. And um, because, you know, it, it's challenging for, for these people because often one of them will want the help of the parenting coordinator and the other one will not. Mm. And that's very, very, uh, very, very difficult. Very difficult. Yes. Um, but I suppose it is like, you know, family therapy or yes. um, couples therapy, a similar thing. There'll be one person who sees that there's a benefit and the other one who thinks that yes. it's anathema. So, um, or perhaps they want an outcome. They're so, they're so fixed on an outcome. And if you're not going to give them the outcome they want, then you you have no use for them anymore. That's right. So they go, I, you know, there are people who go from mediator to mediator or yes. counsellor to counsellor yep. in the hope that they're going to get the outcome that they actually want, you know, and then they don't, and then the poor children are left absolutely in the most terrible state. That's right. Mm. That's right. And, and it is. And that's, and that's the, um, I suppose, why parenting coordination is ordered and normally it's ordered for a period of time. So it can be up to, say, two years. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, I suppose the point of it is that it holds people there yes. rather than saying, I'm not getting what I want. Um, it actually holds them there um, and says, no, you, you need to try, you know, even though you don't feel like you're getting the answer, <laughs> to try and just sit patiently with it. Yeah. And you know, and see what other things may come from it. So, mm. yes, it's a, it's a it's a <laughs> hard work. And then, just a final question, uh, Mary Louise, um, you talk about the need to attend to parenting issues after separation, and we've talked a bit about that. And I think um, in a parenting, the relationship it's been said has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm. Uh, children go on forever, and parenting <laughs> goes on forever. And if you could distill perhaps a couple of um, points of your service, what do you think people, parents find particularly useful? Um, I, well, I think, as I said, the the educative component of the work that I do, I, I really think they do. And, and often, you know, saying to parents that um, children, you know, parenting goes on forever. Um, and that, you know, um, you know, and just asking them to sort of imagine forward um, and, and think about, you know, what are the things that, that they see that are going to be happening in so many years' time to their child who's now six, for instance, you know, and there's going to be an 18th birthday party and, uh, you know, and a 21st and maybe a wedding or, uh, you know, and so on. And who's going to be there? At that wedding and what's that going to look like uh so you know to be able to and i suppose that's the difference then you know being able to work this way um deepens things a lot more than just saying right let's litigate and just look for an outcome you know um you know you're dividing this just you know, like this, or you know, you're dividing the kids like this, and you're dividing the property like this. So it, it allows people the time and space to be able to imagine how things would look, to think about the goals that yes, they would like yes, to achieve yes, yes. going forward. You know, what matters to me? 
you know, yeah. um, and what might matter to the other parent. Yes. Um, you know, what 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 would we like to see happen? You know, and to be able to maintain control over their own destinies, so they haven't got some third party, some judicial officer sitting there who's never met them, um, who's only really got the you know the affidavit material, which is you know we all know um, become you know just is accusation you know after accusation mm -hmm. very polarized sort of points of view about what happened. Um, so they've lost. The, the benefit of having their own agency and being able to make their own decisions about their own family. So if you're able to help people with that, to be able to help them pause for a minute and really reflect um, on their situation, to be able to talk with them around, you know, um, you know what how they would like to see things going forward and giving them some, some tips and some structures for that as well. Um, for instance, one thing I talk with parents often about is the different ways of that they might be able to parent. What sort of parenting model do we use? Mm -hmm. Or to co-parent is what I'm talking about, not how they individually parent necessarily. But you know, what sort of co-parenting model do we want? Are we able to, you know, parent in a way, uh, do we want to keep on parenting the way we're doing it? Do in a conflictual way? Do, does that How's that going for us? <laughs> How's that going for the kids? Um, or do we want to explore some other options? You know, can, you know, uh, you know, do we feel that one day we could strive to have a cooperative parenting relationship um, that we were able to communicate well with each other, that the children felt safe going backwards and forwards between the parents um, with the other parent always in their heart? Yes, that, that yes. the parents could speak about one another, you know, with the child, not in a way of what did you do with mum on the mm. weekend, but, oh. you know, when they mention mum that, you know, mum mum was walking and mum tripped over, you know, they go, oh, poor mum, that doesn't sound too yes. good. Oh, hope she's all right, you know. Now, okay, well, what were we doing? Off we go. Um, you know, that they're able to have that really positive relationship yes. that yes. has flexibility built in when they need it because it's all focused on the child. Yes. Um, and what the what would work for the child? Uh, can they could they reach that one day? Um, what about now? What sort of parenting, um, co-parenting relationship would work now? And sometimes for some people, it really is that parallel type parenting is all they can manage mm -hmm. that they need to take the heat out of things they need yes, to yes. the conflict is the worst thing for children um so how do we run a bit more on railway tracks that we each do what we do at our own place and we have rules around how we communicate with each other um and around all the arrangements relating to the kids and everything else so that we keep it we keep ourselves and you know the children all just safe and contained and yeah. then maybe we can explore other things as we go yeah. along. So, yeah, there's a lot more depth, I think, to it than just yes. the traditional yes. way of oh, doing it. Absolutely. I, th I think that's a very good point you make about how it's not about um, winning and losing. Mm. It's about the truth of their lives and their relationships and their lives going forward into the future and the future of the children. Mm. So, you know, that's fantastically helpful. So... Um, Mary Louise, thank you so very much for participating. Oh, thank you for having me, Ruth. A thank great you. pleasure. It's been an honour. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay.
Hello, this is Dr. Ruth Schmidt-Nevin again. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You may be interested to know about my audio trainings based on the many trainings I have run throughout Australia and overseas. These include training on relationships, attachment and the brain, time-limited psychodynamic psychotherapy, and skill building in therapeutic work. You can access the details of all my trainings on my website, which is at www.centerforchildandfamily.com. That's A-N-D, so www.centerforchildandfamily.com. Thank you.